0: Everyone, Ed is more, the best interview I've ever had. <laughs> awesome. Hang on, I'll,
1: um, I'll split that. I think I'll make that as a ringtone or something.
0: <laughs> you could put that in your podcast intro for like all of your podcasts. You? So I so think so can what, say that's going to happen. Whether you're starting out, settling into, or scaling up your freelance business, navigating the ever-changing marketplace can be challenging. That's why the Freelance Heroes portal is the best place for you. On top of the essential practical support and resources available, the Freelance Heroes community provides moral support too to help you go it alone without feeling alone. We like to think of the community as virtual business sidekicks, always there when you need them. For greater presence and support to help your freelance business grow, join Freelance Heroes. And right now, you can also try out our gold membership for one month for free. Sign up today. Freelance
1: heroes.com. Hello, Freelance Heroes podcast is here again. I'm Ed Goodman. Thank you very much for tuning in once more. Now, this week we're learning a bit more about digital mums, and it's a name that has come up frequently since starting the Freelance Heroes journey back in 2016 and um, I never realised exactly how much great work they do and have done um, until I started investigating for the purpose of this episode. To give you an idea, Digital Mums is a, a social enterprise. It's Uh, goal is to help empower women to create their own businesses, to give them the skills and the confidence and the self-belief to be able to launch their own uh, digital business. And their goal is to support a million women by 2025. They are quite literally helping to create a whole new generation of freelancers. So I wanted to learn more about the digital mum's story why did it start? What's its journey been like? What are the highs and what are the lows of that journey too? Uh, and, and how do they see the freelance economy evolving far beyond the COVID times we're in? So this week we talk to its co-founder, Catherine Tyler, who is incredibly candid with her responses about the good, the bad and the ugly, of the Digital Mums journey so far. It's a fascinating story that she tells. And as I say, she's very candid with her responses. So enjoy, uh, Catherine Tyler from Digital Mums. I am delighted that Catherine Tyler has agreed to join me. Um, I, I've said this numerous times. I, I talk to so many people who work with freelancers, but you know, you give birth to freelancers. You're, you're extraordinary. Uh, this is this is a first for the Freelance Heroes podcast. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing very well. Thank you very much. Yes, I have not birthed human beings, and I think because I run digital moms, people assume that I have. But I have birthed thousands of freelancers.
1: Same thing in my world. Um, <laughs> so, um, so I've got to I'd ask that to get this out of the way. How's how's the last year been for you? Um, because it's a, a toxic gear for many but you know many opportunities um many disappointments but what about in in your world
0: well i mean you know we've very much had the corona coaster experience ups and downs it hasn't impacted the way we work because we were already 100 percent remote um so we already kind of worked in this new way so we had all of our systems and processes set up to work completely remotely so unlike some people that were used to all meeting in an office and then all of a sudden they're trying to scrabble about to figure out how to work in a completely new way we were already working in that way so I suppose that was one positive for us but you know given that we are supporting predominantly parents and they've probably had the worst 12 months of their lives particularly mothers um that's obviously been a challenge trying to support our community as much as possible in a kind of just like an authentic way over the past 12 months has been interesting um um, and we've kind of pivoted and done a few different things to kind of help them as much as possible but me personally it's definitely been a bit of a roller coaster and also my work wife nikki we've both been on the roller coaster together which always helps when you've got someone on the roller coaster with you
1: well absolutely i mean amen to that that's why freelance heroes exists too um, through thick and thin. But we're going to talk a lot about Digital Mums and its journey and the journey of the thousands of freelancers that you've uh, aided throughout. But I want to know just a bit about you and Nikki. Tell us a bit about you and and what's your journey been like that took you to starting Digital Mums?
0: So I suppose my, my Digital Mums journey started way back when. So I grew up in a family that lived on benefits, free school meals, in a mining community in the eighties, you hope you can imagine Ed, that um, was not a place of wealth. So I've always been very passionate about uh, social mobility. My mom was unemployed. And so we kind of had all of those types of struggles. And then I used education to get out of generational poverty, went to university and then always worked in not-for-profit sector i worked in the nhs i worked for a couple of social enterprises etc so um, that's always been my driving force um nikki my work wife had quite a similar upbringing i I was in wales she was kind of in essex um so we both have that in common she kind of went though more not not not-for-profit she kind of went full-on for-profit so she was working for advertising agencies and then um we met very randomly, given that we both lived very close to each other. On holiday in Thailand, we were both on this weird fasting holiday where you don't really eat anything and it was a bit weird. Anyway, we realized that we got on and we both lived in the same place, so then we became friends. But it wasn't until a few years later that we both were coming quite disillusioned with our jobs and we both wanted to get dogs and I really wanted to work flexibly. She wanted to work flexibly, not around the kids, but more so that we could get pets, basically. And that's when we were discussing just, you know, coming up with a, you know our own business, working together, uh, becoming each other's work wives. Um, but, and people usually think that we kind of started from the supporting women side, but we actually were more um, originally supporting businesses. So we were just in that digital skills gap space. And we really wanted to solve the digital skills gap for the smaller business. But then when we started a consultancy to support smaller businesses, They were all clamoring for someone that could help them, not in an agency perspective, but they just needed someone to come in and work with them maybe three days a week. And it was always something that was super flexible. But then at the same time, we started to hear stuff around maternal unemployment. Me and her had friends that started to have children and worked, you know, they worked in ad agencies, in television, you know, really inflexible careers. Um, And that's when we started to realize that. You know, the inflexibility of careers was causing women this huge problem. So then we were starting to get a bit more equality in the workplace. But then as soon as women decided that they wanted to have kids, they were kind of going almost like back to square one. And that's when we realised that we could solve that digital skills gap problem um, with and, and also solve this kind of maternal unemployment problem at the same time. So that's when we came up with the digital moms idea in 2013. And we've been going ever since.
1: It sounds like a very seamless conceptual stage to the business was that do you had you had initial plans to go down other routes either other audiences obviously the digital skills gap seems to be the thing that started it but you know was was the mum's part fairly early on in that when you realized Uh, or 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 had you toyed with other other audiences first?
0: No it was very early on it was almost just just literally kind of eight weeks after we started to work with smaller businesses and um, particularly we we thought we were going to do social media training social media consultancy but they just kept saying "Look, well, c- can you just manage can you just manage our social media accounts because they're really time-consuming and we don't know what we're doing so we just very quickly realized the demand wasn't so much for training and consultancy they actually needed trained social media experts to work with them more on a long-term basis so very quickly we jumped to mums are the natural solution for this because it's a, it's a remote role. Sometimes they only need someone one day, a week, one day a week, sometimes they need three days a week. So it just became quite obvious that it was a natural solution for um, women that were starting to have children and finding that their careers were becoming so inflexible that they were having to take more junior roles or leave work altogether because they couldn't get the flexibility that they wanted.
1: So this was in 2013 when Digital Mums started. What were the things you learned most um, as business owners and, you know, about yourselves in the business during those early early months and years?
0: Oh, God, that's such a great question, Ed. I mean, so, so much. Sometimes people will say, um, you know, did you, do you have any regrets? And we, don't, we made loads of mistakes, but they were all such good learning experiences for us. Uh, we'd never, neither one of us had run a business before. I think we were probably a little bit naive <laughs> about what it takes to be, to take someone and and make them job ready in in a completely new career when they maybe have done no marketing before whatsoever. So that was quite interesting. I had worked uh, for uh, the UK's innovation unit for um education so i've sort of i learned loads about what does it take to deliver innovative learning experiences which did stand me in good stead because i translated all of that into kind of an online learning experience so from that side of things um i probably had some experience but you know no idea about financial modeling i had a marketing background at least so that was kind of in terms of growing the business that was that was there already, but just more like, you know, the finance side, HR, building the right culture, all of that stuff was just like such a learning experience. We're still really worried at finance as well, Ed.
1: <laughs> no business owner is great at everything. I wouldn't worry about it. <laughs> um, <laughs>
0: got some gaps but Nikki and I are very different. We've got completely different personality types, which is um would which, which turn out to be quite handy because we kind of have kind of complementary skills and backgrounds, which is quite helpful. I'd have given up by now if I didn't have her there she was for you. If it was just me, I'd have been like, I'll give this up. This is too
1: hard. I've not met Nikki but she may well say the same thing. I am sure. <laughs> I think that's the beauty of, of working together, which of course, you know, it ties in nicely by the fact that freelancers often don't have that opportunity to bounce on. And you know, you've created um, thousands of freelancers. So, what's how once you kind of let them let them walk on their own once they've completed the course. I'm jumping a gun here a bit because we need to go back to what digital mums is all about, and we will. But where how how far do you guide them on that uh, journey through freelancership? I'm not sure that's a word. I'm going with it, but or or is it a case of you know learn the skills and then off you go?
0: um freelancership that should be a word it is now make it up put it in the dictionary we uh, no, we're still very present so we have um about 1700 of our diploma level graduates because you know we have different level courses now but in the old days we had the only had vocational training six months 350 hours really intensive so everyone that did that course with us over the kind of past five to six years are all in their own community which I'm still in so I'm still in there moderating making sure it's got the right culture making you know, making sure everyone is kind of genuinely supporting each other in there um, and sometimes I'll answer questions on challenges that they have so uh, no we're still kind of part of not all of their lives but many of their lives and they come back and learn other things from us now so some of them are doing google ads training some of them have done facebook ads training you know so that they're taking their skills to the next level we also quite early on realized that we couldn't just give them the social media skills so we um, designed uh, another kind of package of, of, of resources really just to help them to think about how, you know their niche and how to position themselves how to find clients that kind of thing so we kind of quickly realized that was a bit of a missing piece. Um, And we've just got some new diploma level graduates finishing just now. And we've added another layer of support for them. where We're actually helping them with branding, getting their website sorted out. So obviously, the freelance, um, it's yes, the social media skills are just like one bit. But as I'm, you know, you've got this community full of freelancers, they've got so many other challenges once they've got whatever skill they are, you know, exchanging for money, whether they're VA's or social media marketers or whatever. That's just one tiny bit of what a freelancer kind of needs to know how to do. And obviously, they're also quite lonely. So I think the fact that freelancers have now got communities where they can support each other. I think when we first started in 2013, they didn't they didn't exist so much. And I think it's really great that there is there's just lots more support out there for freelancers now, because I think it's challenging. It's lonely. It's emotionally demanding. Um, so it's just the more the more support there is, the better.
1: No, absolutely, and I do want to talk about that, but I want to understand a bit more about the digital mums journey. So, for anyone who's listening, because one of the things I noticed when starting freelance heroes five years ago, um, digital mums was already very prevalent, and you know the, the 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 name, the hashtag, was being widely used by people who started following this on various social networks and being part of the Facebook group. So clearly, you know, you'd made some considerable inroads you've achieved some amazing things as an organization but for anyone who may not know what the digital mum's experience is like tell us a bit more about that please
0: so yeah no problems Um, I mean it's kind of evolved a little bit over time but we've always had some core values that we are um, very focused on and one of those is uh, social learning so a lot of people will run self-paced courses. People can sign up whenever they want, do the course whenever they want, and they kind of it's it's just a singular learning experience. That's just not really how we roll with our courses. So some of them you work very closely in peer groups with between five and ten other women on group project tasks. Sometimes you'll just in this big learner community together with you know 150 other learners all on a journey together. So the social side is very important, and then afterwards. We've got, you know, communities that people can join. So social learning is a big one. And then the other big one that we're ridiculously passionate about is learn by doing. So all of our courses, whether it's the vocational courses where you work with a real business in training, just like the only course that is like that in the whole of the UK, potentially the world. Um, uh it's truly vocational digital marketing training. Uh, or whether it's um, you know, our foundation and social media marketing course, where you'll be completing a marketing strategy week on week. We're very passionate about learn by doing. And then we like to blend a flexible model that also holds people accountable. So, um, you know, if I signed up to a self-paced course, I just wouldn't do it. So we have clear start dates and uh, weekly live lessons that people come to just to keep people motivated, um, make sure that they, you know, they they will come and stick to the learning. But you know, all the rest of the learning is very bite-sized, like many other people's self-paced courses. But we also set weekly challenges, so it's kind of flexible. But also there's someone to hold you accountable week, week on week, which is why people tend to finish our courses. So our graduation rates are like 85 to 95 percent, which for online courses is really high.
1: Mm, yeah, absolutely. I think that commitment is, is, is something else. And it's funny you should say that because I put um, needlessly, uh, and, sorry, not needlessly, as I expectedly, I would assume, um, I asked the freelance community, uh, I put, are there any freelance heroes who have come through the Digital Mums programme? And what was it like for you? So here is um, the, the first bits of feedback I got, which was, um, uh, where are we here? Let's go to the first one. Right. I did it. Really enjoyed it. Learned a lot. It was a lot harder than I expected, though, in a big time commitment. But that seems to be a common thing, which is so there's another one that I did it three years ago. I think it's changed. I got a huge amount of it, including clients right off the back of it. Really enjoyed it. It was a lot of work and not without its problems. But overall, I would recommend it. And another one, I did it five years ago. It gave me a brilliant start to my freelance career at the time, plus a network of fab people. I think one of the things that attracted me to it originally is this this isn't just a course where you buy off the shelf and complete and and good luck with it. There is a real you know, you you want a specific type of audience. You want someone who's going to take it and commit to it. If their business doesn't work out, that's a different issue. But it's not like you do a digital mums course on a whim. There's a real commitment to that. Why was that so important to you and Nikki to to have that 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 real need for commitment when launching or maybe when growing digital mums?
0: Well it's because we're so obsessed with the social impact so we don't want people to come and study with us and not commit to it and also um, we're looking you know because we're not massive so we don't have the capacity to train thousands of women you know like you could do maybe with a self-paced course so we're expecting people to come and to commit to a new career so women come to us when they want you know, they want a rewarding career that is also flexible and on their terms, which they've just not been given generally through their employers. Some of them have been very let down by their employers. You know, they've worked somewhere for like 20 years then they have children and then their employers are like, no, you can't work three days a week or no, you can't work from home two days a week. And then they're like, you know, you've still got to do all of these demanding things that we expected you to do before. Um, And so they often come to us when they've been made redundant or they've just had enough basically and we want them to commit to this new working lifestyle going forward and it's because we can only take so many so we don't want wasted kind of opportunities and we sort of say it's kind of not all our courses require that level of commitment but particularly the vocational courses that they're high challenge but they're high support so we will expect them to challenge themselves and we will challenge them but we are there every step of the way to help them whenever they get stuck as you can imagine particularly on our six-month courses you know there's all sorts of life things that can kind of get in the way moving houses deaths and families illnesses and families you know and we will support them to get through it but they have to commit the time that we are kind of asking for. I
1: mean I say this obviously not having done the course myself I'm not a mum but um, the I love that commitment side to it I think that. know all that need for the commitment i think that really makes it something that stands out above as you said yourself a plethora of online digital courses that are available on there as well you've been working and creating freelancers since 2013 what have you noticed have been some of the the biggest changes within the freelance community over the last eight years
0: um so I think one of the biggest changes over that time is that the general trend towards wanting to work in new ways is, has just escalated massively. I've not quite seen such a massive trend in the you know, ways of working in my working life anyway, which is like 25, 30 years. Uh, so when we first started, we were talking about flexible working. there weren't very many people talking about flexible working Um, but you know in the past eight years thankfully that's evolved there are now loads of specific recruitment companies that sprung up jobs board sites where people can go find more flexible working opportunities but more from the kind of freelance side we've just seen the freelance community and the the level of support that's in that community also massively take off Uh, so it's just grown massively in size but then At the same time, you know, there are challenges with that, which we tell people when they start, you know, it's not an easy life because, you know, there's just challenges that you get with freelancing that maybe you don't get when you're just in some quite cushy kind of PAYE job. You don't have to worry about clients (laughs) finding, you know, your next client or, you know, the drought, famine and feast that you tend to get with freelancing, all of that kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, the biggest trend is really just the scale of the freelance community and also all of the tools and digital solutions that have kind of sprung up that you know now exist for freelancers you know pensions companies that are very tailored towards self-employed that you know small business banking and all these kind of things that just make it a lot easier I think to freelance successfully you know there's loads of people out there that can now help you whereas I feel like eight years ago they didn't kind of exist I mean even things like social media marketing scheduling tools, for example. I think when we first started, there was like two, and now there's just millions. So it's like, no, just that type of evolution um, has just been quite interesting to watch.
1: And over the last 12 months since the pandemic started, have you seen that there, because you you read conflicting reports at time where more people are being made redundant, um, and, Equally, it seems a lot of people are leaving the freelance community too to go back into work, and there's always going to be a, a changes in both those areas. But have you noticed any dramatic changes in the last 12 months in terms of the number of mums who have come to you to to you know start their new freelance career, or is or, or has the opposite happened?
0: We've not seen a huge shift in demand for um, what we're doing. If anything, in our current community of social media freelancers we are seeing just more and more particularly in the last six months jobs being shared interestingly more so than I've ever seen in there um, and I don't know if that's because suddenly loads of businesses have had to completely transform themselves to be a lot more online so maybe because of that they've then needed more digital marketing support You know, we trained them in social media marketing, but many have now upskilled in other areas of digital marketing. Some of them will now do, you know, website developments. They can kind of offer like a whole package and there just seems to be more and more demand for what they're offering. So if anything, I've noticed, we've noticed that. I've not noticed like a real change in people coming to us other than um, we got funded by the Department for Education to offer one of our um, courses, which is more of just a general future skills course. So it's just teaching problem solving skills, creativity skills, data, working with data, basic social media marketing. And because we are taking people that have been made redundant on that course, we've just seen loads of people be like, can I come and do this course because I've just been made redundant. And what, what attracts them to us is not just the style of learning, but also just the level of empowerment and confidence. So we have a really big focus on rebuilding confidence because women will lose a lot of confidence particularly when they are made redundant or you know if they've been on career breaks etc so we kind of have a really big focus on the confidence building side as well which when people have been made redundant it really it really does dent your confidence so we've, we've definitely seen a bit of a trend for people that have been made redundant coming to do that course specifically
1: so I want to ask a question about the kind of image of freelancing because there is a lot of people I come across and it's a confidence thing I know say you know we I'm just a freelancer and freelancing often gets a bad rap as being a kind of something you do until you find a proper job whereas I know and you know that freelancing is a career it's something that you know the social media and the digital marketing that's being looked after by digital mums and graduates are supporting startups and the businesses of the future. And I I kind of wanted to get your take on the the image of freelancing. And and you said yourself it's grown more over the over the last eight years. Where does it sit now do you think in the wider corporate world and, and how can we improve it?
0: I think it's been slightly impacted by the rise in agencies using freelancers. I think agencies are always seen as being kind of cool. (laughs) I don't know why. I'm not sure that they are really, but um, I've really noticed that not only are more and more agencies using and turning to freelance staff, they're starting to call them more like the agile workforce. You know, it's sort of the language has started to change. Maybe they're not called flexible work, agile workers. You know, it's kind of like, suddenly it's gone <laughs> sort, of a more, sort of a bit cooler. So I definitely think it's become a bit cooler to freelance. I think freelancing now people think, when they think freelancer, they think sort of Shoreditch, hipster in a check shirt working from some cool cafe with a flat white and a Mac, you know, a Mac computer. You know, I think like that's the, that's become a kind of image that people think of when they think of freelancers. Again, I'm not sure if that was the case eight years ago, maybe. So I definitely think the overall vibe of freelancing has become a bit more attractive to people, um, just in terms of the general brand of freelancing. It's just become a cooler <laughs> brand.
1: Well, it is, given that cooler kind of take on it, though, that, you know, the millennials who are working from Shoreditch with a Mac and a flat white, as you say, does did that, did that help or hinder the brand? Because I'm going to assume there's a lot of people who are digital mums who don't fall into that category. But at the same time, you know, they, their choice of career is as valid as mine is, as yours is. And uh, I know you're not a freelancer, but, uh, you know, as others too. And I just, it's, but yet we're working with businesses who, might have that misconception that freelancers are really just those who are blogging from a Starbucks.
0: <laughs> other coffee well, shops think- are
1: available. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's very important to note very important to note that other 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 coffee shops, <laughs> other brands where you can buy coffee. Um well I think that what it's done unless is unless they want a bit- sponsor
1: us, in which case by the way, Starbucks is a place to go. But until that happens <laughs>
0: oh, well, coffee you want to give us uh I think that it's made it more aspirational. I don't think that people think all freelancers fit that mould now. I just think it's made the sort of whole brand of freelancing just a little bit more aspirational. Okay. Um, which, uh, and I think businesses now see freelancers as, as perhaps a bit maybe cooler than they used to. But um, no, you're right. We don't have, we have loads of digital mums that are not cool, shoreditch hipsters. Some of them are, um, but many of them are not. Um, but I think that they've kind of benefited from this slight shift towards seeing freelancers as, um, as just a a bit more of like an aspirational lifestyle, both from people wanting to be freelancers and also from maybe businesses working with freelancers. So I think overall there's been a bit of a positive brand perception shift.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. We just need to, to kind of keep spreading that message a bit more. I'm really hoping you're not too modest to ask this next question, which is, at what point did you and Nikki, and uh, well, how or what point did you did you and Nikki realise? I think we're onto something here.
0: Oh, that's such a great question because, like, if we didn't both come from these very working class backgrounds, where. Um, you know, people generally didn't do cool and interesting things. You know, you went and became a teacher or a doctor, or maybe you went and were a plumber or like an electrician. So I think if we hadn't had that background, we might have done it a bit more quick. We might have been like, holy shit. But it was partly when we told people. So whenever we told people, they would go, Well, that's just bloody genius. That's like a like that's genius. <laughs> so there was a little bit of that validation when we kind of and also everyone would get it immediately. So sometimes when people will explain their business idea to someone, there's a little bit of a confused look. Can you explain it to me a bit more? Whereas when we explained digital moms, everyone would just go, well, that just makes sense. Well, that just makes sense. So there was kind of that validation, but I don't think we really got it until we were, because we're delivering social impact, we went onto um, this big issue invest program and we were on the big issue invest program with some other social, enterprises and they gave us fifty thousand pounds um which we had to pay back but it was like a loan to get started and a little bit of support and it was kind of their belief in us and also that everyone else on that program like during the program duration really struggled to get their business off the ground and you know when we started to when we finished we were just like smashing it but <laughs> so we were a little bit like oh, do you know what actually do you know what maybe we're like maybe we're onto something so it was kind of when we finished that program that we did actually realise, okay, this this is like clearly we've got something here. This is something that's going to be good.
1: What um and I, I, I clearly have I would you know one of the other things I really like about digital mums is how those who are graduates come out of it and wear the fact that they've wear it with pride like a badge of honour. The fact that they've gone through the digital mums hashtag uh, digital mums program and it's you know that's that that must really give you a sense of pride and achievement when when you see those who continue to closely connect themselves with digital mums well after they've graduated from the program
0: yeah most of them do which we love some of them don't some of them had a great experience but they don't really like to be always seen as like a mum in their professional sort of work life which we totally get and you know we've had a few different conversations Nikki and I about the fact that it's called Digital Mums because Some people don't want to identify as being a mum and they shouldn't have to. And actually, you know, it's it's very well respected in the industry. We've got loads of graduates working at some top agencies. Sometimes they just get hired on the basis of the fact that people know they've done our training. So, you know, we've got um, a well-respected course, a bit like, you know, the general assemblies of this world. But some people don't want to say they studied with digital mums, which I also completely get. But yeah, the vast majority do definitely wear it as a badge of honour and will come back, you know, and learn more with us. And that is amazing because that's kind of but they're all amazing, though. You know, it's like we have all these ridiculously talented women that come and, you know, do the course and they really commit to it. And some of them will just put so much effort into getting this career that they want for themselves. And to have that flexibility to go to ukulele concerts on a Tuesday, if they want to go to ukulele concerts on a Tuesday, often they don't want to, but it's like just part of, you know, being a parent. Um, so we're just constantly blown away by blown away by them, to be honest with you. And one of the things that really motivated, you know, was these women were just sort of thrown on the scrap heap, which is so frustrating for me, having grown up in a very chauvinistic mind where there was some segre- there was sex segregation like in my local working men's club you know you weren't allowed to go into the bar if you were like a woman um so I've just always had this massive passion for you know female equality and women so yeah that's the thing that we just love the most about it.
1: Are you seeing that change in the in the workplace are you seeing that there is I mean I know the law has changed since digital mums have started but have you seen that employers are doing more to you know kind of reintegrate mums when they return from maternity leave in the same way they were before they went on maternity leave?
0: I'd like to say yes, in a really kind of emphatic way. But unfortunately, I don't think the answer is yes in that way. I think it depends on the industry. I think some industries are much better than others. But I also think there's a lot of lip service happening. It'll be interesting to see how the lockdown has impacted this, because. know we were having conversations let's just say with agencies and um you know more of the ad agency space and they're obsessed with everyone being in the office and they're obsessed with everyone being on between x time and y time and you know there's just no flexible working options but then suddenly they were forced into having a remote workforce so it'll be very interesting to see whether there is a long-term shift from this new way of working but unfortunately you know yes they changed the law you can you suddenly you had the right to ask for flexible working like you, it was ridiculous that you didn't have the right to ask for it before but now you can ask but they just say no so it's like um sadly over the last eight years we have not really seen the transformation that perhaps should be happening i think there's just a lot of tokenism and a lot of lip service and mothers are still forced to you know maybe they'll get four days but actually they're still doing five days in four days so sadly, the answer to that is not nearly as much as we would like to see.
1: So, so I have a theory that's going to work in the favour of graduates and digital mums. So being that normally an organisation might look for a freelancer who is in their local area because they'll need to have face to face meetings at some point, bring them into the office. <clears throat> and obviously, because of lockdown, we're enforced into a situation where that hasn't happened. So realising that you had to employ a freelancer who was within a five-mile radius or 10-mile radius, now that barrier is removed, which opens the opportunity for digital mum graduates to work with agencies who are at the complete opposite end of the country, perhaps, because that company has experienced what it's like to work with someone who, remotely, because even if they're around the corner, I, I you know, for me, that, I think, presents a great opportunity. I'm digressing now. Now I've just gone into a football chat mode, but... <laughs> I thought I said
0: that. the vibe. That's just the vibe, Ed. That's how we're. That's how we're jamming. Um, <laughs> to be fair, like the vast majority of the digital Room graduates, never they they all they always were working 100% remotely. They
1: were, but I think the organisations themselves didn't possibly weren't as open to that as maybe they are now.
0: No, no. So I think I think on a general level, you're right. I do think on a general mm. level. Oh yeah, no, I am. Yeah,
1: yeah. Okay. As in, not I'm, I'm, not, I'm not right I mean I'm talking on a general yeah, I am right obviously
0: we were militant about our digital moms graduates that they should be working remotely you see so they were only going for opportunities where they could and they were pushing to work remotely so they were all pretty much always working and finding you know work that was just 100% remote, very, very occasionally, they would be in the same locality, as you know, the people that they were kind of working with, lots of them have moved on now to do more like training. um, And they do quite like to do well before lockdown, you know, workshop based training and things like that, which we've kind of also supported them with, um, just so that they can move into perhaps, you know, earning more money, or just another supplementary kind of revenue stream for them, um but yeah they've always been quite militant about working completely remotely but i think you're you're completely right that the trend is only going to be towards an ability to work completely remotely because everyone has suddenly realized that it's doable and that they don't need to be quite so obsessed with their offices i do think though that a lot of people are just going to go back to the way it was before
1: hmm.
0: not, absolutely Not so much smaller businesses particularly because offices are very expensive business rates are very expensive um but i definitely think a lot of the bigger corporates are suddenly going to force everyone to just do what was happening before sadly but um there's definitely you know it's, 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 it's there's been a massive shift suddenly everyone is you know they know how to use zoom and ms teams and and we've seen that because obviously we use zoom and remote tools like slack on our courses and before they were completely new to people and now everyone's like oh yeah no i've used ms teams i've used slack i've used zoom you know and so we've noticed that suddenly everyone's a bit au fait with all the digital tech that before they weren't so
1: it'd be interesting to see how clubhouse is affected by um by the change as well um at the end of the lockdown we'll see um so uh, how long before we see digital mums branded co-working spaces then you know to to embrace the new way of working <laughs> um but in all seriousness what what's um, what's next on the evolutionary journey of digital mums?
0: That's a really great question because we took investment and it was all about scaling. And there were so many different ways that we could have taken up. You know, we could set up an agency working more with brands that target mothers using our amazing workforce of Talented women, many of whom worked in agencies, so that was one revenue stream that we could have gone down. There's a recruitment arm that we could have gone down that stream, um, but what we, what, what Nikki and I ended up doing is we were sort of supporting all these women to get this amazing work-life balance, but we were working like eighty hours a week, midnight, and were just completely exhausted, and it was really hard. We introduced a new course that just didn't work. Like, like twenty percent of people loved it. of people were like, oh, yeah, this is good. I'm having a good time. 20% 20 of people, for some reason, they hated us. And we just had this really sort of dark year where it was a bit um, sad and depressing and hard. So we were a little bit broken. We were like, oh, we're going to give up. And then we were like, no, come on, we've got like, we could do it. We bought, we basically got rid of our investors. We, were like, we don't want some mega scalable business. You know, we just want to be delivering social impact. And we would quite like a little bit of social impact for ourselves, if that's all right. So we've actually, if, if anything, kind of slightly scaled back and just, you know, just thought, okay, what do we want to do? You know, we've moved away from uh delivering the courses ourselves and being more present with the students because we scaled up the more you scale up the more you kind of move away from you know delivering the product or being involved in the product and um, you know we were managing like large teams and we were like I'm not quite sure this is what we want to do we quite liked helping the students so we've kind of scaled back a bit we're more present now on the courses we take much smaller numbers there's a bit more bespoke stuff from us so um, for the next kind of one to two years it's just really just revisiting like why did we set up digital moms and what do we want to get out of it so what do we want our work-life balance to look like um and we're in a much better place now so we're kind of doing really well and everything's working really nicely and all our customers are super happy and they love us again so (laughs) so we just want to keep that going for like a couple of years and maybe you know get some nice weekends off and a little bit of quality downtime and some holidays
1: sounds sounds all very perfect just uh, a couple more questions and and one thing that that actually sprang to mind um a little after you were talking about the your fight for equality in the workplace i have been brought to my attention a few times around equal pay within the freelance community as well is that something that you notice there's a um an unfairness a disparity between male men and women in the freelance market when offering digital skills to bigger businesses
0: well so what i will say about pay is that we do see a lot of issues with um women asking for the kind of pay that maybe they want to get or pricing their services correctly maybe so sometimes people will say oh how much is someone charging for x and you know it's the same product that then someone's charging like twice as much as someone else and I will always go in and be like Sharon that is nowhere near enough what's happening here Sharon this is going to be upping your day rates (laughs) you know there's like a bit of like the tough love going on and then other people will come in and be like Sharon that is not enough you need to go back to so there's definitely a bit of a trend we think about around kind of women just not asking for or having you know whatever pricing their products and services like at the right level so often they are undervaluing their services and then we have to go in and give them a bit of you know tough love and I think often there's massive imposter syndrome so they think oh, I couldn't possibly charge that day rate right? that's crazy amounts um, but then when they ask for it like people go oh, yeah no problem you know um, so they're just not asking but I think that's what we're seeing more than people not willing to pay it it's like they're just not asking for the right amount and we do see quite a lot of that and we have to as I've said tell them off
1: so, if there was advice, I mean, you've got this within the Digital Mums program. But for anyone listening who hasn't gone through uh, the experience of Digital Mums, who is setting up their own freelance digital business, whatever area of digital or social media that may be, what advice would you give them about how they should how they should price their services? That's
0: a great question, Ed. Well, um, so the first thing that
1: That's we the fourth time we've said that in this interview. <laughs> I think one more and you're one of my favourite guests of the whole series.
0: <laughs> Everyone, Ed is the best interview I've ever had. <laughs> I I'll, I'll, um,
1: I'll that. I think I'll make that as a ringtone or something.
0: <laughs> you could put that in your podcast intro for like all of your podcasts. You? So we'll, I think so you can happens. safely say that's going to happen. 100%, and the not so pricing strategy wise, one of the things that we first try and get people to really uh, understand is like, firstly, with pricing, it's like, w- what do they want to earn? <laughs> right? So I think and people are, immediately will go well, what are other people charging or what is this person charging? Um, and often they want people will say, how much should I be charging? And we're like, well, there's no set amount. Some people, some people have got 20 years marketing experience. Some people have got no marketing experience and you've just done the course. And you, you know you've got the same skills but firstly what do you want to earn what do you need to earn so it's like how much are your overheads how much is the mortgage how much is your business development going to cost how much are all the tools going to cost etc so you know basic level how much do you need to earn how much do you want to earn does that kind of match with maybe what's in the market who do you want to work with with as well, because obviously the bigger the business, potentially the bigger the budget that they're going to have. Um, but then is that also going to make you happy? Maybe you don't want to work with those businesses. So there's all these kind of exploratory questions people need to start asking themselves, which means they've got to turn inward. I think it's always good for people to have a bit of self-awareness if they have issues around money and asking for money and asking for X, you know, and confidence around that. And I do think there's been a bit of an explosion in, coaches business coaches and life coaches over the last eight years and I think if people have got massive confidence issues I do think coaches can be like a really good investment because they can actually help them to move forward with this um, I guess like a money mindset people often call it right Um, so I'd kind of give just advice around just asking yourself a lot of questions and then once you've set perhaps a pricing strategy what I would also advise every single woman to do is what well, most of them anyway is just immediately increase it Because <laughs> you're probably asking for <laughs> not enough so that it's almost like just immediate don't necessarily double it but just immediately just increase it by x amount and just be prepared then to kind of negotiate back down you know and just have a bit of leeway but also sometimes I think particularly for new freelancers is there a value exchange in taking on a job? So maybe you know we see a lot of the digital moms graduates will take a cut in terms of what they might want to get because they recognise that it's a great brand to have on their CV, um, or it might be that it's giving them skills that they want to explore, etc. So there's always sometimes a bit of a value exchange to do with some jobs, um, but you know once you're an experienced freelancer, just double your day rate and then just negotiate to where you want to go to. But yeah, as a woman, I think my top advice is just immediately increase it. Whatever you're charging, just make it higher.
1: I love that. I love that. Uh, you talked a few minutes ago um, about uh, a tough time, a dark time, you called it, through Digital moms. So I want to throw, I want to flip the coin. What's been the highlight of your Digital mom's journey?
0: Was the highlight? There's been like lots of highs and lows. Um I definitely, when we kind of got first got investment, though, they, we just felt like there was like we we always referred to that that was our heyday. <laughs> like we just taken an investment, and you know we were like out in the town with our hats and you know the, like just having like the best time. <laughs> but then you know when you take investment, then you've got to deliver on the, you know the targets. And your
1: that's great though. That you I mean that must have given you because you know even eight years ago, <clears throat> it's to have that company or to have that investor have faith that. Not only do we believe in the product, we believe in you too as well. I mean, that's that's a great confidence booster.
0: I mean a hundred percent. Hence we were like, you know, we're in the heyday. It was like the art deco time, you know, with all the flap, we were like, woo, this is great. <laughs> 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 this is the, 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 <laughs> the, the summer of love in the digital mum's It's the summer of love, the digital mum's summer of love. Exactly. Um, but then you know, it was the challenge, it was we've always had a problem with the scalability of the business and wanting to deliver social impact so one of the reasons we brought out this new product was to reach you know more women we were like well let's just reach more women and help more women to become job ready in this new skill um, but that was always a challenge because then suddenly we weren't interviewing people because people had to kind of apply for our advanced diploma we were kind of picking the people that we felt we're going to be able to commit to it and come out the other side with these new skills, ready to, you know, start a business. And you can never promise that someone is going to be job ready when they finish, because that is not just about the skills that you give them. It's also, do they are they confident in themselves to go out? Um, and it got to the point where people just needed so much feedback that that product just became completely unworkable for us. Because whilst you know, we're not about profit, like we can't make a loss every year. So we were like, okay, you know, this isn't kind of working. But then um, you know, we went through some redundancies, which we literally cried when we told everyone we were like some people that we'd made them redundant. But then we chatted to this other business owner and he was like, Oh yeah, I mean that's just standard. you can got to make people redundant at some point. You know, like it would but we were just like, Oh, I've got redundant. <laughs> we were like, we really <laughs> I think I like I had to make this woman called Rowanna redundant. I swear to God, I cried more than she did in the because <laughs> I loved her like so much she was like my favorite person I was like oh so, so, uh, uh. she was like it's fine don't worry but <laughs> so, like you know it was like ups and downs but I feel like this is a really we're feeling really positive about you know the next couple of years being Nikki you know we feel like we've now got the business to a place where like we are happy with our work-life balance and we're delivering social impact for women so like you know we've basically we feel like we've we're on a bit of a high at the moment because we've got a good balance i think
1: uh it's been an absolute delight to chat with you catherine thank you so much for your time you know keep doing what you're doing you're adding and adding to the freelance community to the businesses that the freelancers you create support as well um it's it's you know been wonderful to see what digital mums have achieved and i can't wait to see what's uh, next on the horizon
0: yeah we're excited but um we're also excited with you know what you're doing i think any and all support for freelancers it's yes you know, it's, it's- I think it was a, a lonely time for freelancers eight years ago. And now I feel like there's just lots of support for them. Uh, and this, you know, podcast is just one of them. So it's been a delight to come on your podcast. And I'm always very, we believe in authentic storytelling. So, you know, people might go, oh, she's been very candid. But that's how we roll at Digital Minds. So I think, you know, business running a business is tough. Most businesses fail, you know, and there's a reason for that. It's really, really difficult. Um, so it's just about trying to, you know, keep going and always trying to go back to why you set up the business, and as a freelancer, why did you become a freelancer? Was it to be constantly working all hours, you know, over delivering and over servicing clients? No. So it's always just really important to just keep going back to why you do what you do. Wise
1: words, words to finish on, Catherine Tyler. Thank you very much. We'll put all the links for your social, the Digital Mums as well, in the show notes. So so do go there and uh, uh, and uh, get in touch, see what Digital Mums are doing, uh, and get in touch with Catherine too. So thank you very much.
0: Thanks, everyone.
1: Thanks again to Catherine there. I can't believe we waited until now um, to talk to Catherine. Um, But thanks very much for sharing uh, her story with us uh, as well. And if you've been in part of the digital mums journey, what's it been like for you? Um, How has digital mums helped you? If you haven't, what's been your understanding of digital mums as well? Email me, please do, podcast at freelance-heroes.com. Right, next week, we're taking the handbrake off as restrictions start to lift. And we look forward rather than back in helping us grow our business. Robin Waite joins us and I hope you do too next Wednesday. Until then, thanks very much for listening. Bye for now.